Welcome to Food and Loathing, your number one source of foodie news and gossip in Las Vegas because, as they say, we know where the bodies are buried. Although, honestly, that's not hard these days because most of them are submerged <laughs> under a giant man-made lake that's no longer wet. your host Al Mancini. Rich Johnson is in the engineer's seat, twisting the knobs and sliding the faders, and with Chef Rick Moonen out of the country, I believe he's actually on a yacht in Croatia, sailing Ooh. by some places where they shot Game of Thrones. Adriatic action. Now that I think of it, maybe I was just a little high when I um, heard him tell me where he was going, <laughs> or maybe I just dreamed the whole thing. I don't know. Um, we're going to have to ask him when he comes back. For now, however, um, we've been shifting up our guest host for today. We were hoping to have a writer join us, but we've we've made a, made a bit of a last-minute change in the itinerary. We have John and Janelle Batista because um, we wanted to record today at Artisanal Foods. This is a place that I have always enjoyed um, doing this podcast from, and we've done several from here. And, you know, John and Janelle have always been so kind as to say treat this as your second home you can record here whenever you want that's part of the community vibe that they organized here at artisanal foods so when i said i needed a spot for today it was a little awkward i was like hey guys can i come over and they're like yeah but we're in the middle of something so um that made me want to come over even more and it made me want to have them on the show guys i know you're doing a little bit of a reorganization or a rethinking of the concept so we now have john batista janelle batista the um the powerhouses behind bringing artisanal foods along with some other partners um, with Jordan Dunwood and some other people. Um, but you guys are to many the face of artisanal. And I understand that you're sort of changing up the concept or you may be. Do you want to explain to everybody what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's going on, guys? Thank you for having me on and uh, Janelle for the first time. Um, yeah, I mean. Say hi, Janelle, so we know you're really there. You really do exist. Hello, everybody. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we are now in a transition period. Uh, unfortunately, the, the space that we're in is not ideal for what we were trying to do, but we still had high hopes in doing, you know, bringing a different type of store, a type of environment, culinary environment to Vegas. Uh, we still have hopes of doing that, but it might change now. Um, it looks like, you know, we have about two weeks to decide whether we're going to keep the retail space open. Um, and if we don't, then we're going to just move to an online platform where we're going to sell all of our goods online and we don't have to have all the inventory in the store and the overhead and all that good stuff. So then we can focus more on, you know, delivery service and things like that and keeping high-end products on our, on our SKUs. And if you, if this is the first time you're hearing about artisanal foods, which is hard for me to believe that anybody that listens to my podcast would not yeah. be familiar, but we should give people the background. Artisanal foods has been a Vegas institution for decades. Um, under the previous owner, it was first known for selling some of the best high-end gourmet products to the top restaurants on the, on the strip. Um, one of the best places to get truffles, one of the best places to get foie gras. You guys took it over about a year, and it had a lot of locations, right? I mean, it was always over by the airport in these tiny little back, the hole-in-the-wall places. When the last owner owned it, it was a it's always been a fantastic um, Las Vegas resource for people that love quality ingredients. When Now, I didn't realize that it had already moved over here to its current location where, where we're standing right now, which is on, what are we, on Eastern Avenue? Trop and Trop. Eastern, yeah. yep. uh, it's a former Best Buy store, I, I think, based on the architecture. Circuit, yeah, it's like Circuit, Circuit, Circuit City. City. Circuit, Circuit City, City that's yeah. right. Sorry. Um, the big blue tower. And it's a massive space. And, you know, you guys have done some cool stuff in here. You know, you've got a pool table in here. You've got a ball crawl for the kids. I know that you've had some programming here. You've had us in here to do the podcast. Um, and you've made it more you know for the year that you've been operating it it's been more of a place where the neighborhood could come in and learn about food while they also shopped for food so that's why you know in this day and age of everybody going virtual and going online i'm sure you guys can go to an all online format and probably make a ton more money and um, probably have a lot less headaches. But for the community, I think that's a loss because I think, you know, having you in here was great. And it was it was just a great resource for a neighborhood, by the way, that's not really known for having gourmet food or quality ingredients. I mean, you know, uh, we, you know, we talk about food deserts, but there's certainly gourmet deserts, you know, places where you, you can't get good stuff. And I don't know that there are any other places in this neighborhood that you can get foie gras and truffles and the, the many great things and you know just um you know international foods that you guys have brought in in every price range you know not just the super high end so 
I'm going to miss that if you end up having to close down the retail component of it, the shopping component. Could you talk a bit, though, about how the last year has been for you, maybe some of the positive experiences that you've had? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's exactly what you just said. It's it's the human interaction that we were uh, really focused on because prior to us taking over, it was a lot of bringing in the products into Las Vegas and giving it to high-end restaurants and the casinos. Uh, what we tried to do was continue that and add the retail aspect to it. So a lot of people didn't know that they could afford foie They didn't know how to cook it. They didn't know what Wagyu beef was. Uh, we actually introduced those products to a different market and we actually were preparing it for them and th- different things, showing them recipe books and things like that that we were creating here in the store. So it was creating a culinary environment. Um, in addition to that, what we wanted to do was create a food incubator. So we wanted to have a restaurants. You know, I'm in the food truck community as well. Um, they're looking for you know different commissary options. Create a commissary in here. Create ghost kitchens in here. Create little mini restaurants in here that maybe the the barrier to entry for a, a brick and mortar was too much, but this was more attainable to those entry level you know entrepreneurs. Uh, we were trying to create that environment in here. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of circumstances happened and it really wasn't the customer base. We were working towards getting, you know, new demographics to come in here and enjoy these amazing foods. Um, it was really, you know, the, the, the building, the, the, you know, a lot of little things that, that has to do with external of outside of artisanal foods. Janelle, anything to add there? I mean, uh, how's it been for the last year? So for the last year, it's been great. Um, I'm going to personally miss um, the human interaction with customers because people would come in here and we would make charcuterie boards together. They would get fresh caviar. They would tell me, I don't know how to cook Wagyu beef. I would grab a chef at any time. Um, so those are things that they would find in the store, the interaction. How do I, what do I use trough sauce for? Because a lot of people think that products are not attainable. At Artisanal Foods, we carry everything from low end to high end and something in between. So a person can come in here and have olive oil from Italy or olive oil from Spain, you know, or another England, London, wherever we decide to bring it in from. We brought in a lot of New York products. I'm Trinidadian, so we've tried to bring in a lot of the West Indian products as well, which we can't, I can't personally find in Las Vegas. Um, so Before if we, we leave, I want your best Trinidad Pot sauce to take home. Okay, of course. I've been to Trinidad twice, and I love that stuff, and especially when it's on every yes, darn dish. it's on everything. Every meal of the day. I'll make you a Trinidad package. I appreciate <laughs> that. Yes. So um, I want people to know, because you are having kind of, and I, and I know it's not 100% set in stone that you're going to be closing this, right? right but right. It, but it, it seems likely, and I know that you are trying to clear out a little bit of inventory right now, so I do want my my listeners to know that they can come in and maybe get some deals on some of your inventory. We don't want people taking advantage of um, you know, your misfortune, but then again, just put a little money in your pocket as you're going out the door. So tell people what the deal is with trying to sell off, and so, when they can come in and what they can get. So currently, what we're doing is we're liquidating a lot of the stuff, because we're having the mindset that we are going to eventually close by the end of the month. Uh, so we're liquidating stuff. A lot of stuff is 40 50% off uh, right now. Great products on the shelves. They, you know, again, you were maybe scared to try at that price point. Now you can try it at a different price point. If we do end up selling, you know, uh, salvaging the, the store, then, you know, everything will go back to normal. But for now, that's the mindset that we're having. Uh, so we're here every day from 11 to 6. Um, we open the doors and we allow any you know, restaurant owners, any home chefs, uh, executive chefs from the Strip can come down and, and you know, really try different products. Um, and that, that may work in our favor as well because if we save the store, then they're like, oh, man, I had that. And I want to pay, you know, premium because that was a great product. You know, it's like it really wasn't a money grab for us. This was a, 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 a movement that we tried to do. And we will still do it if we close down the store. We're still going to be focused on doing that. It's just going to be in a different platform. Okay. And also, what about your food trucks and your ghost kitchens and all that? Where can Because you make some great food. You make some great empanadas on your empanada truck. Um, where else can people eat your food, man? Well, you know, uh, I really took a hiatus for the last two months because there was everything at once. You know, the food truck, the ghost kitchen and everything. So we kind of just took a break from everything, and now we're back. Uh, so we're, we're trying to, you know, salvage our seasonal foods. Your empanadas is our, our, our gourmet empanada food truck. We'll be doing all the big events again. Uh, we will be at Life is Beautiful first Friday all those uh, big events. And uh, if you message us, you can actually see where we're going to be at weekly. We're going to start that back up uh, in July. Um, and Ghost Unit Kitchen is always there. We do, uh, part of it is nonprofit. Uh, so we feed the homeless, the veterans, the, the seniors. We make sure that we do our part in our community there. And the Ghost Kitchen really operates as a catering 
company that we use different kitchens depending on where your event is. Uh, so me and Chef Jordan are still, you know, doing the ghost in the kitchen and we're still competing and we're still, you know, having fun with food. And that's that's mainly the thing. Yeah, and everybody should support these guys. I mean, I, I can't tell you how much, no matter where I go, I see you, right? Like I go to a, a gala fundraiser event and there you are auctioning off some of your stuff from artisanal foods. I go to a food truck gathering. You're always there. When anything out and about in the community, man, you're one of the people that really helps make the Las Vegas food scene just such a, a beautiful place to be because people help each other and you guys are shining examples of that. So I want everybody who listens to this podcast to support you one way or another, whether it's coming in, buying some stuff at the discount right now, then going back online, ordering that stuff. Hopefully you'll be around in some brick and mortar form, either here or somewhere else again. But in the meantime, you ain't going anywhere, right? Right. Absolutely no. not. And we know when we moved from New York, Janelle and I, four years ago, that was one of our missions is to endear ourselves to the culinary community here because there's a lot of good food. A lot of talented people out there, and we're just so uh, honored to be in in that circle with everybody. So it's it's a beautiful thing. And online, where do I find you? So www.artisanalfoods.com. That's very easy. A R T I S A N A L. Art is anal. You can never spell it wrong. Art is anal. Never spell it wrong again. Oh, awesome. Okay, so now we're going to move on to the part of our show where we talk about where we've eaten this week, things like that. Have you guys been to any good restaurants recently? It's hard to go out when you have to. <laughs> yeah, I got you, man. No I kind of live vicariously through you guys. Okay, Rich, what have you been doing recently? Man? I've been trying to find more Korean barbecue places. Uh, and I've been a bit put off by the idea of all-you-can-eat Korean because there's always too much. You get a meat, and then you get 25 sides, yeah. and that's, that's a little too much. I went to a place right next to Sparrow and Wolf uh, for lunch. Nalso Korean barbecue, N-A-L-S-S-O. And it was a bit of an education, starting with they had three price tiers, $26 to $42. Uh, the most expensive, the more expensive, the more items and the pricier stuff available. You get the scallops and the uh, uh, abalone and stuff like that. The cheap tier I picked out, uh, I picked out some spicy chicken, a California roll, and just four sides, which was the beauty of the thing. I didn't get two dozen sides. I just got the, the ones I wanted, so uh, uh, much less waste. Chicken arrived. It was two little pieces. And I said, is this all I get for that? I said, well, you can have more. I could pick every meat on the thing. There were about 10 different meats. So I picked a bulgogi, and I picked a marinated pork, and I had my thing, and I had a California roll. And then later on, I had a little spicy tuna roll, just four pieces to order. So it was very nice, small portions, but as many as you want for that price point. And uh, I did not waste. I got to try a couple things I have not had before. And I did not need a wheelbarrow to get out of the place. So, again, that's a Nalso, N-A-L-S-S-O, literally next to Sparrow and Wolf on Spring Mountain Road. And that, that Sparrow and Wolf shopping complex is turning mm-hmm. into have some really oh, yeah. good stuff in there. I haven't been to this place, but, of course, you know, Robata N is in there, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Lamai is in there, which is great. Thai food, um, you know, from Bank. Is it Shaken Crab or Shaking Crab? I haven't been to, yeah, Shaking Crab yet. That's like on the other side. We'll have it. to do an yeah. episode about that because there are all of a sudden there's like four or five Maryland crab joints. Is or, that a Maryland crab joint? Uh, it's I don't Maryland, know Louisiana. It's, it's, you know, it's blue crabs. It's, it's uh, crawfish. It's 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 Can't all you. that kind of stuff, but all of a sudden there's like three or four different brands of that showing up in the valley. Yeah, so many of them tend to do it Cajun style and spicy, and I like the Old Bay style. Yeah, Maryland. Old Bay I'm is more yeah. about that from my know? DC days. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah. So I also uh, got a little home bargain, uh, shopping at home or uh, cooking at home. Echo and Rig got a couple of hanger steaks, which you have to ask for twenty bucks, and I'm looking at forty dollars a pound for ribeye which I know you know about, Al. But I got these two little six to eight ounce uh, hanger steaks for 20 bucks. Uh, they're a bit of a challenge on the grill and what because they're kind of uh, tubular mm-hmm. and kind of thick and round. I oh, actually saw the ship opening up those packages just yesterday. I was over there oh, with yeah. the hanger steaks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up butterflying them and cooked them for about five minutes on a very hot grill outside. I loaded up baked potato with butter, a uh, second of two bottles of red that I scored when we were up in uh, Napa. And uh, Saturday night was all right. Man, I actually have a tomahawk from Echo and Rig at home in the fridge. I need to throw that on the grill tonight, hopefully. Um, I was over there. We're shooting some, just to give people some backstory, we're shooting some TV commercials for um, 
for Neon Feast, and we're going to hopefully feature some local restaurant owners. So we were over there shooting one with Sam Marvin the other day, and um, he turned around to me and to, um, to the guy who was shooting it with me and the other people that were there and was like, hey, I got some tomahawks. Do you guys want them? And we're like, yeah, I'll take a tomahawk. That's, that's the so, ultimate right. rhetorical question. Yeah, who says no to that, right? Well, maybe some vegan friends, but some psyched about that. Uh, as far as food that I've actually eaten, because that's still sitting in my fridge, I have had so many amazing meals over the past week. This is almost going to have to turn into a lightning round. And we got a couple dogs just joined us in here. Hello, puppies. Yeah. Awesome. Are these yours or are yeah. these yeah, just these neighborhood dogs that wandered in? This is white pepper. Uh, hi, white pepper. So there. pepper is about seven months and this is Milo. He's about a year and a half. Oh, cool. Well, they are adorable. So hey, puppies. Hey, They're puppies. part of the artisanal family. Awesome. I always love a dog in the house. Uh, but let me try to do lightning round on some of the yeah. places that I've eaten. I could start with Anima. Um, which I think may be the most exciting to rest- restaurant to open in the last year. Night I was there, Roberto was actually headed out the door to accept their Las Vegas Weekly Best of Las Vegas Award for Best Innovation. Um, we had some fam- – so that's well-deserved, by the way, um, and any award for a- a- Anima is well-deserved as far as I'm concerned. We had some familiar dishes and some new ones. I'm just going to mention some amazing squash blossoms, some beautiful scallop crudo, a very interesting combination of cooked scallops and gnocchi, and on that one, you know, that was just proof that this is a place that even when I'm not 100% sure a combination works, I'm always excited to experience it at Anima mm-hmm. because all of the dishes are smart. They're all brilliantly executed. So I know it's going to be a delicious adventure into something I may never have experienced before. And deciding what parts of it I love and what parts of it I find a bit off is always fun because it's a great dish. And, you know, there are some people that like to eat that way. I like to go into a restaurant that I know is always going to challenge me. Not always, by the way. You, I can get something familiar. I can get something very easy, very accessible at Anima if I want to. But if I want to be challenged, if I want somebody to give me something, a dish that's not on the menu anywhere else in Las Vegas, I know Anima's going to give me that mm-hmm. if I'm looking for it. And when you eat a dish like that, it's less about whether it scores 100% than is it taking me on a culinary journey? Mm-hmm. Not everybody enjoys eating that way. You certainly don't want that when you're going out for a family meal, maybe. But I love to eat that way from time to time. Anima always delivers, um, and I always find it fun. Another restaurant where I dined that always does the exact same thing. You can get something that you're familiar with, or you can get something that's going to make you rethink everything you thought you knew about food. And that's <laughs> Sparrow and Wolf. And I went back to Sparrow and Wolf this week. As I've said, this is the gold standard for what off-strip dining can be. If you listen to this podcast, you've probably eaten there several times. If not, go please now. Um, Brian Howard and his team did not disappoint on this trip in any way. Highlights included a bold spin on shrimp toast that was made with white sesame, garden radish, cucumber, and sambal on Japanese milk bread. By the way, what's the thing with everybody using Japanese milk bread? Am <laughs> yeah. I the only one noticing that? It's good. It is. It's, it's a trend now. to them. Yeah, and it was a great shrimp toast, so cool. Um, I also got some hamachi dressed with grilled jalapeno, smoked trout roe and avocado on tapioca crackers. It was amazing. Some decadent shrimp agnolotti in an aged soy butter sauce and a duck breast with chilled soba noodles and fermented soybeans that had quite a bit of kick to that side <laughs> on this beautiful duck breast. Yeah, you hear what I'm saying, right? You're going to yeah. see these yeah. on the menu. You've mm-hmm. never seen these dishes anywhere else. But, man, they're so much fun to explore. The standout was the oxtail hummus. Oh, wow. You know, you say to yourself, oxtail hummus, hummus just almost reeks of veganism, right? Like when you hear hummus, it's like what your vegan friend wants to go out. But to put this beautiful, um, wonderful oxtail on it, plus some of the toasted chickpeas that were in there, giving it a little bit of crunch. Mm -hmm. And this was such a contradiction in expectations, but yet Overall, the one thing that brought it all together, it was this beautiful, warm, welcoming, hospitable dish. And I I loved it. It was the standout of this. Is this like a little like shredded meat in incorporated yeah. in the, the hummus? Yeah, and then you ah. just kind of mix it in and then you scoop it onto some pita and uh man, oh. it was amazing. 
I also had um, an amazing meal at Barzazu and an amazing meal at the Beast by Todd English inside Area 15. I wish I had more time to tell you about the di- all the dishes on both, but most of them were dishes I've spoken about before on this po- podcast. Those are great restaurants as well. I mean, we all know Nicole Brisson, the chef behind Brezza. We talk about her all the time. Don't overlook Barzazu, where she's doing Spanish tapas right next door to Brezza in Resorts World. It is phenomenal. I was catching up with an old friend from grade school that I haven't seen in like 30 years. So, you know, you want to impress people like that. So I kind of pulled out all the stops there. And also The Beast by Todd English, man. That is a restaurant that is so much better than it has to be. I mean, it is there in Area 15, right? You know people are coming in to do a Mega Mart. They're coming in to, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I was there to throw axes, to be honest, which was a whole scene. (laughs) Um, How'd that go? You know what? I made the axe stick in the wall, so that made me feel cool as shit. And how many tries? Actually, I mean, I was pretty... We all made it stick in the wall, but I probably did better... Uh, okay, the little kid that was with us was yeah. the best, right? Okay. Calix kicked ass. Then me. And then Sue was a little frustrated. It took her about 20 minutes before she actually got one to stick in the wall. But then she did. She was rocking, kicking ass. <laughs> so there's, there's a bit of a learning curve on doing that, but that's a lot of fun. If you're going to go do anything at Area 15, definitely try the Beast by Todd English. They've got a great barbecue program in there, and you would be surprised, honestly, at, for a tourist attraction. This is Todd English quality through and through. Several kitchens, several concepts, a lot of fun. Finally, I made my first trip to Rosa Ristorante. We have had those guys on here several times to talk about it. It's Chef Rob Moore, who you know from Jean-Georges Van Gerichten's restaurants here, from Prime Steakhouse and from Jean-Georges. They are doing Italian cuisine over in um, Henderson in the old Bloom space on St. Rose Parkway, and they are crushing it. Sue, my wife... That she said this is one of the f- best meals that she has had in a very long time. And I like, I think what it is, very similar, to, okay, it's not similar to Osolito Posto, but it is similar to Osolito Posto in the way that they both elevate classic Northeastern Italian-American red sauce cuisine, right? So they, they do a great job on that. Um, I go through some of the dishes that I had over there. Um, we had some rice balls to start, some great carpaccio, a wonderful crudo that had a really nice little bit of spice to it. Calamari. How often do you go into a restaurant and get excited about calamari? Very rarely right. for me, only when it's done right, because mm-hmm. so many yeah. people don't do it right. It's either perfect or it's rubber bands. Exactly. Right. And this was just done so right. And um, and Chef Rob was telling me about how you know it's he it's the perfect weight to each ring that he learned working for Jean George and things like that. And that's what happens when you have fine dining chefs that approach familiar dishes. They do them right. We also had clams oregano. We had an antipasto salad that if you're an Italian from the Northeast, this is always the stuff that they put out. All the antipasto stuff over a bread of a bed of lettuce with the tongs. You just help yourself at every family meal. Mm-hmm. So familiar, so homey for you know anybody that grew up with any Italian American in their family. You're familiar with that dish. Um, I had a great pizza piled high with pepperoni and arugula. The rigatoni, I believe it was, in the vodka sauce, that was wild because the onions in this were almost stewed down the way you would do a French onion soup to bring out that kind of sweetness. Oh, wow. oh yeah. And adding just a touch of that to a very traditional vodka sauce, we just raised it to another level. Good meatballs. My wife's favorite dish, the swordfish piccata. Um, that was Really solid, you know, very traditional preparation. You don't usually see it with swordfish, although, you know, it's certainly traditional to do that. Some excellent skirt steak with some sides. Um, We had the Amaro service and some great desserts. Rock on. I love you guys over at Rosa Ristorante. Brilliant front of the house team, great back of the house team. We We didn't interact that much with the servers because we were at the chef's counter, which is also very cool. There's a chef's counter right in front of the... um, right in front of the kitchen where the stripper boots are hanging. Have I mentioned that? There's a pair of stripper boots hanging. Is that from the old uh, Bloom days? Yeah, they found them on their first day in there. They found those stripper boots, so they (laughs) polished them up and hung them in the kitchen. I think that's their way of reminding their landlord how much better he has it with them. I don't know. So that is awesome. We love Rosa Ristorante. So we should say thanks to our uh, guests here today, our co-hosts. Yeah, thank you guys so much for joining us for this segment. Any other word that you want to get out to people? Uh, please, everybody, come out and support artisanal foods. Come on, get some discounted items, um, and say hello. We're here seven days a week from 11 a.m. to about 6 p.m. 
Cool. Well, I have no doubt that you guys are going to do extraordinarily well in whatever form this moves forward. I will be sad if you lose the this space for now, but um, man, I'm here to support anything you do because you're such great members of the community. So just let me know how I can be, lend a voice. And we can still get it online at at www.artisanalfoods.com. I just you know I had to, I, I have, artisanal.com. Artisanal.com. <laughs> old. I always have to be remembered, of and course. I artisanal foods. Well, artisanalfoods.com. <laughs> you know, I just want to add to that. You know, Al. You've been instrumental in what we've done, even outside of our seasonal foods. And everybody that comes in here, we just had somebody, while you guys were setting up, said that they always come in here for certain items. And it's, it's sad to see us go, but they're still going to support us and, and be a part of our, our next project. Uh, but it's, it's, it's everybody that walked into this door. You know, we, we started knowing people by name. You know, oh, hi, Larry. Hi, George. Hi, this one. And they would come in with their dogs. And it was, it was a family-friendly environment that we were creating. So it was, if it is over in the retail space, it, w- it was a great ride because of all the people that walked in. Coming up, Martin Yan cooks with kids, and Al was there. And remember last week we're at the Palms? Oh, yeah. We got a tour of all the great restaurants there. It's next. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. Want the strip? Off strip? Downtown? Great views? Great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Following up on last week's episode of The Palms, we are back. Joining me again is Chef Marcus. How are you? Chef Marcus O'Brien, head executive chef for The Palms. How are you, my friend? I'm great, man. I'm glad you're here. I know it's only been um, a few minutes for us, but it's been a week and um, since people have heard you on the podcast. So we are here kind of doing a little tour, talking about some of the restaurants we didn't get to chat about during that first segment. So tell people where you brought me right now. So you're in Serrano Vista Cafe. This is the old Lucky Penny, um, but Serrano Vista is actually part of our partnership with the Yamava. Um, they have a cafe called the exact same thing in California. So welcome to the, uh, the new cafe. Well, it looks beautiful. looks nice. Um, definitely a bit of a renovation going on, but I also see some familiar elements in the art. Absolutely, but the most is the menu. You know, the menu's killer. You know, it, it's going from your diner-esque all the way to, you know, you can get a ribeye in here. So if you, it has a little bit of everything, and it's just great food. When you leave Las Vegas and you go to other cities and you see the kitchens that people are forced to work in, like in San Francisco or New York, you like you forget how blessed you guys are at a lot of these casino properties. Yeah, that's one thing that the Palms does have. We have great back of the house. I mean, our kitchens are really set up nice. Not only are the kitchens great, but we got great people in here as well. Cool. So who am I chatting with? You're going to have Chef Gonzalo Garzo. He's behind the line right now. He's finishing a dish right for you. So he'll be out in just a second. How are you, Chef? Pretty good. How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for taking some time. I know you're busy here. Um, could you tell me about what the menu is like here at Serrano Vista and how it may be different from what people remember from the previous tenant of this space? Wow, right now we're doing, we, it's a little bit of, uh, sometimes could be a little bit of as well because, you know, we're kind of doing a modern, contemporaneous, you know, we are bringing some of the old stuff but in a different way, different variety. We, we pull from Asia, Mediterranean, we're doing some American style, uh, the, the Asian to walk, pizza. So yeah, our variety is uh, way different than before. 
So now this has a sister restaurant at your other casino. Now, have you worked in that casino or did you have to go over there to learn recipes? How'd that work? Well, no, I have not going over there, but I do have the, 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 the idea, I do have the knowledge, and I do have the, you know, the idea, and we bring it over here, and we implement it here, but we always trying to do our own touch and our own ideas over here to make it even better. Recipe training. Recipe training, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so do you put a Vegas spin on anything, or have you not got, gotten to that point yet? Because, you know, I feel like it's Vegas. You always have to add either more booze to things or um, make it more hangover-friendly. I don't know. Absolutely. That's the idea. You know, we're Vegas. We better stay in Vegas, and we've got uh, we to make sure our guests, you know, leave Vegas with uh, our own experience, you know what I mean? And, yes, uh, I've been here since probably, what, like 20 years in Vegas, so... Yeah, that's the idea, to do our own, uh, own uh, tradition in Vegas. And Chef, where would, um, where would I have eaten your food before? Where would my listeners have eaten your food before? Capitol Grill, uh, Tao at the Venetian, Monomigabi over at the Strip, the Wicked Spoon over at Cosmopolitan, Wolfgang Park, Bar and Grill up in Summerlin downtown. Yeah, it's a little bit. So you have worked all the main rooms in this town, man, and you've worked with the best of the best. I mean, yes. I know the, the chefs that have gone through those restaurants, and they are some of the best in town. Absolutely. Uh, Paul Bartolota inside of the wing back in the days. Uh, Chef Luro Lafebvre over uh, the Venetian. We opened Labo, where uh, before it was Bathhouse in the beginning. So, yeah, you know, it's, it, I've been around a little bit. Cool. That's one, one reason that Chef Gonzalo is in here, because not only do you have a collection of all different styles of food, but he's also trained in all these styles of food. Coming from all these great restaurants, Ramon and Me, which is a killer, like breakfast and brunch place, he's got that aspect here. So he can do whatever it takes to drive this restaurant. Okay, so what are you feeding me here? <laughs> so we got our, our salmon bowl, which a uh, little Mediterranean flair. You got bulgur wheat uh, with uh, dried cherries. And then also uh, feta cheese, micro basil, a little avocado on top, and then a red wine vinaigrette to finish it off. So it's clean, healthy, and just refreshing. Okay, you got to hold this while I take a bite, man. I love this. What do we got? Tomatoes in there with that bulgur wheat. Um, some other kind of dried fruits. What's going on in there? We got a little bit. Uh, we got shallots. We got cranberries. We got cherry tomatoes, uh, chickpeas. And the kick right here is gonna be the blackened seasoning, paired with the with the feta cheese. Finish it up with a slice of avocado. Really surprising to me, but they're, they'll come into this cafe and they go, "Wow, I was not expecting that." Kind of like you were in Scotch Eighty, yeah. where you were like blown away. People come in here and they're like thinking cafe, mm -hmm. call it an elevated cafe. Yeah. A-Y-C-E, which I know that when it first opened, people were telling me that that should be called All You Can Enjoy, not All You Can Eat. But I think they didn't want everybody to look at it as a challenge, perhaps. I don't know. But are you calling it All You Can Eat or All You Can Enjoy? It's All You Can Eat. <laughs> so now the challenge is back on. Yeah, absolutely. Coming in, and we're sort of between um, lunch and dinner right now. So it's, a, you know... Nice quiet time, a rare quiet time in a Vegas buffet. Especially right before lobster night. So you're going to see this place starting to fill up here uh, relatively soon with lines, uh, with uh, getting their reservations in early, the whole deal. Um, because when we just said all you can eat, we have that for lobster as well. I think the record I personally have seen is 28. I had one gentleman on the first day come in, and uh, I was actually behind the line serving the lobsters, and he just kept coming up. And he was like, I hope I don't get kicked out of here. And I was like, what do you mean? You know, and we had a conversation, but he, he was on number 27 at the time. And I was like, I told him, I go, I think I'm watching you. Wow. <laughs> we so who is um, the executive chef for the buffet? The executive chef is uh, Christopher Galiciano. Um, he was previously at the Cosmopolitan. Okay. Um, he also was in Hawaii for a very long time, running phenomenal seafood restaurants. So uh, he's he's top-notch wait till you meet him great guy and he does phenomenal things in here hey well let's grab him let's chat nice to meet you chef how are you i'm doing well how are you i'm doing great thanks um so i'm excited to be back here in the buffet i think a lot of people are excited just to know that this ayce buffet is open again because 
Man, when I was at the Review Journal, I swear, it was like every month somebody asked me to write an article, our Vegas buffet's gone. Is COVID the death of the Vegas buffet? So could you explain why it's important to bring a buffet back right now in these post-COVID times? I think it's something that's familiar. You know, it, it brings happiness. There's, everyone wants to go out and go and eat, wants to see people. I think it's just a very important part of the Las Vegas culture. You know, with the casino gambling and the food and the buffets, it's just synonymous, right? It goes hand in hand with that. And I think it's important that we brought it back. It kind of brings everybody hope that Vegas is coming back and, and turning around from the pandemic. It's just fun, it's fun. There was a fear that we were gonna come back from this pandemic and be such germaphobes that we never ever wanted, like everything would have to be served to us in a condom or something, I don't know. But um, like, so um, w among your customers, are they embracing the return of the buffet? They are, they're happy to see us. We have great interactions with them every day in the mornings and night, um, as far as the germaphobe part goes. And a lot of people seem to kind of go back to what it was before. Of course, they're more aware of how things are, are happening and we take precautions back here as well. But for the most part, I think buffets are back. It's great. And could you talk about some of the enhanced safety precautions for those who might be a little nervous or who, who didn't think buffets were going to come back? Explain to them why they should feel great coming back to a buffet. Absolutely. We do have portion control items, things that's in like to-go packets that they can grab themselves. They don't necessarily have to touch all the tongs and all that and the serving utensils. We also have our cooks behind there and our chefs as well. We help, we help people. We'll walk up to them. Can I get that for you? Can I assist you with that? We put it on the plate for them so they feel safer within that, in that regard. Cool. And we've already talked a bit about Lobster Night. Uh, what are the other big nights for you guys here? The big maybe breakfast or brunches or lunches, whatever. Right. So Friday night, we, we follow up uh, the Lobster Night with the Prime Rib Night and Snow Crab. It's all you can eat. Wonderful fixtures out there. We're serving both hot and cold. Very popular. It's almost as busy as the Lobster Nights or turning to be busier as the Lobster Night. And obviously the brunch on the weekends. It's full with a, a full menu, array of different variety of cuisine. It's delicious stuff. Well, I will be in soon for one of those, I promise, man. Thanks for your time. Looking forward to meeting you again. Next stop. Okay, Marcus, so we just entered into um, Mabel's Barbecue, a very familiar space. And tell me who we're here to chat with. You got Chef Christian Boonagin. He's amazing. Oh, he he's, yeah, he, <laughs> he's the man behind the scenes that's taking care of some phenomenal smoked meats and everything else in this place. Cool. Chef, how are you, my friend? Good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me in. I know you guys are busy. I know you got smokers to tend to and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I spoke with Chef Simon a few weeks ago, so we're a bit familiar with what you have going on here, but you hadn't quite launched yet. So how's it been going since Mabel's has reopened? Um, it's been good. You know, um, uh, we currently changed our, uh, our menu gearing towards the summer season. So. so how do you make barbecue more summer friendly? Um, Especially Vegas summer, right? Where it's right. almost hotter here than it is in those low and sm smokers, man. A uh, good example, you know, we, we try to use summer produce. Um, our, our burnt ends right now, we have uh, a pickled rinds, watermelon rinds. Uh, that goes with our burnt ends and uh, watermelon as well in there. You know, just try to make it light and, and fun. One of the things I haven't been into experience yet since you've reopened is live music. But I think live music in restaurants is a trend that I've spoken a lot about in all my writings for a while now. Um, and I love that you guys are bringing artists in here. So could you tell me a bit about how, how frequently you have it and who you're bringing in? So um, the marketing team here at Mabel's, they're uh, sourcing or looking for uh, local talent that we have. So every Thursday to Saturday, we have uh, live music here. Um, from uh, from seven o'clock till ten o'clock at night. Cool. Now, does it run mostly rock or blues or jazz or what are we talking about? It's it's different different genres, different styles. Um, just depends on the on the bands that they book. Okay, cool. Um, you know, when Chef Simon and I were chatting, we I asked him what the whiskey program was going to look like when he reopened, and I'm now staring at this whiskey bar. So walk over here. I just want to take a quick look. Um, I see you got some Frey Ranch up there, which makes me really happy. You've got some Jefferson, Jefferson's Ocean that I like. Um, oh, man, that, that legendary rye. That's a sugarcane rye I think I've had. Um, so you've got some really good stuff. What, how many how many whiskeys do you have on, um, available here at the bar? Um, you know what? I'm not really sure. Okay, yeah, we have a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we uh, we have like rare alloc allocated stuff right. that um, I'm not knowledgeable about, but okay. I'm pretty sure my manager uh, will know. 
no problems. I'm just telling everybody I'm seeing some really familiar, very, very good whiskeys back there. So that makes me happy. Um, I know that when you originally reopened, one of my favorite items, not on the menu quite yet, which was the Polish kielbasa. Are you guys bringing that back anytime soon? Um, so not anytime soon right now, but we are working on uh, making our own uh, sausages in-house. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. What other signature items? Is there anything new on the menu that people may not, that people that remember Mabel's from pre-COVID may not be, you know, may not be ready for, may want to come in and try something brand new? Um, I think we have, I mean, we have weekly specials. So we do have, uh, every Wednesday, we do have a pastrami uh, beef rib that um, comes with, you know, our Cleveland sauerkraut pickles. It's really great. Um, we also do have a, um, a confit pork shank. So we confit it in a smoker for about three, four hours, and then we deep fry it. Okay, man, you are making me hungry. So I'm going to get out of here before I just sit down and start digging into barbecue before you're even open. Man, thanks so much for your time, Chef. Anything else people need to know about the relaunch of Mabel's? Come and see us. We're here, you know, from 4 to 10 during the weekdays and 4 to 11 during the weekends. Okay, so next stop, we're here at Tim Hoan, another place that stuck around. Oh, yeah, Tim Hoan, amazing you know, there are dumplings in here you can't beat. And I have uh, Kiyoshi, he runs this joint. He's the best in the biz. Hey, how are you, man? Good, good, good. Welcome to Team Holland. Yeah, it's good to be back. I think I was here opening night of the launch party, and I came in real quickly, but then I was running around. I haven't dined here yet since the reopen. So what do we need to know, man? The only thing I could guarantee with you, our product is fresh. Because you know what? Every time you go to a dim sum place, they use the cart. Here, everything starts from scratch. Everything fresh to make. Every, every table we serve, it's a freshly made the product we got there. Uh, we just, uh, if you got a time to, t uh, to try our um, our signature dish, what we call a barbecue bun, it's the best in town. So the barbecue bun is the signature dish here. Exactly. That's all. That's the reason why uh, uh, Team Hawaiian got a Michelin star because of this uh, barbecue bun. You know, you you are just leading me in the right direction. I wanted to talk about the fact that Michelin that Michelin has listed Tim Hoan. It's one of the few inexpensive restaurants that's ever gotten a Michelin star, right? And that's which location was it that was awarded that star? And then could you explain a bit of the history of Tim Hoan? This uh, the Tim Hoan is originally from Hong Kong, and uh, that's Hong Kong the one who create this uh, all this original dipsy product, freshly made. There, the one who started. That's why the, the what they call the, the barbecue band who brought us to uh, brought us to be a Michelin star. This is about 20, 30, uh, 20 years, 35 years until now they have maintained the Michelin star. Even though it's not 661, but still everyone knows and it can, it can tell the product, uh, all, all the taste, everything is is the top of the line for Michelin star. Okay, now how many Tim Hoans are there around the globe right now? Well, Tim Hoan itself is going to about. I will say 80, some, 84, 86 locations all over the world. And how many in the United States? United States, we got one in Hawaii, one in Guam, uh, two in New York, one in Irvine, one in Las Vegas, opening soon in Texas as well. Okay, so still few and far between. If you're in Las Vegas, you have to come to Tim Ho Wan, see what it's all about. Exactly. You know what? Like I said, I always insist, as I tell everybody knows, Dim Ho Wan is the best product we got because it's everything freshly made. You can tell the difference when you go out of Dim Sum place. The car, the sitting in the car is about 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Here, it's everything freshly made. And I guarantee you, it's a, uh, it's a fresh as us. And just to help people along who may be missing that cart, you've got pictures on the menu, right? Exactly. Not only that, like a picture, everything, all the all the product we sell. So you, you will not get wrong with that. When that goes wrong, you know, everything's in there, the product, how it looks like, everything. And how many different types of dim sum are on the menu here? We got more than 30, 35 uh, items here. All different items, some. And uh, at the same time, we have also on trader, on cost, everything made up steam, like a steamed lobster, steamed prawn, and a steamed sea bass, you know. It's been very popular for this product class. And this is a beautiful restaurant, but it's also a casual restaurant, right? I come in here and have a nice casual meal. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyone's welcome. There's anyone welcome. There's no, there's no uh, casual. There's, everything's more than welcome. Here we are. You see the restaurant at this place? It's, everyone's welcome. I don't know, Rich, which of us is going to try this? We got kind of a cucumber salad here? Hey, you go first, and I'll be right behind you. All right. Mmm. It's crunchy. It's tangy. It's delicious. All right, I'm going to steal somebody's chopsticks and uh, yeah. do the same. A little of this, um, is it cucumber or zucchini kind of thing? Cucumber. Cucumber. Uh, cucumber. I, I was right originally. Okay, it was cucumber. Oh, what, what is that? 
There's a Tim Hohmann fishball. It's made of sake, nigori sake, or some lychee, and some what they call as liquor in there. Try it, it's very good. It's a big bowl in blue with two big straws and the upside down bottle. Do we just suck out of the straws or do we pull out the bottle? Seal it, we'll pour it, and then seal it, and then mix it, and then you drink it. So that is what, a nigori sake? That's yeah. an unfiltered sake, right? Yes, unfiltered sake with, with a lychee flavor. Lychee flavoring, okay, and we got this beautiful fish bowl. And yeah, what the hell, man? Yes, it's, why not? It's noon somewhere. Welcome. So we've just arrived at Sin Noodles. Chef Marcus is with me. Chef Francis Mo just came over, yelled, I know you. And it makes me wonder if I skipped out on a, um, did I skip out on a check here or something? I worked on your face on some news, a newspaper. Yeah, okay. and you are very special because I, I remember your hair, your hair, uh, your, your image. So that's why I, when I turn around, I see, oh, I know this guy. But honestly, I, 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 I mean, I'm not know you as a uh, friend, but I see your face and recognize your face. I'm just glad I didn't do anything in poor taste in one of your restaurants once. Because you are famous. Could you explain Send Noodles? Um, it opened not that long, you know, prior to the shutdown. So a lot of people haven't gotten in here yet to try this restaurant at the Palms. Could you explain what this restaurant's all about beyond the obvious, which is noodles? Okay. No, be, uh, we are we are basic on the very a little bit of traditional Chinese, like the barbecue, and if we had do something like very famous like Big Chow Fan, Singapore noodle, because we try to have the, not only a Chinese restaurant in this era. So we had a four, a Vietnamese four. So we had a wudong, exo, and shim wudong as Japanese. So that's why I, tr I try to make this like a pan Asia people, not only Chinese restaurant, Chinese restaurant. Of course, we have some like a five kango chicken. We have one, one, a lot of people, this is American style. So there's a people who be think, oh, come here, oh, only for the Chinese. No, they can come here, some of course, basically as noodle like a soup noodle, stir fry noodle, but basically we have some the entree style. Oh, okay, like a pineapple beef, it's for, I mean, American people because they are sweet and sour. But the thing, I'm not using the vinegar to make a sauce. I use the pineapple juice, so more fresh, like a sweet and sour beef. Okay, yeah. so Pan-Asian, a lot of noodles, Unlike some of the hole-in-the-wall places in um, Chinatown, not too far from here, it's, it's meant to be welcoming to an American palate. Yeah, but in the Chinatown, not that far away, just maybe one block away, but you can see that the menu is baked food, but it's Chinese. But here, small item, we try to bring the old Asian food in the one small location, then they can come here. Oh, you know what, I, I want to, Japanese, okay, we have the ramen, we have the wudong. So I want the Singapore style, okay, we have a Singapore noodle. I want Chinese, okay, we have beef chow fun. So people come here can enjoy, if you have the friend, couple friends come here. Oh, you know what, there's no Japanese, I have to get out of the way. So then they, you can bring the friend to here, so enjoy, expand Asia. And Chef, what's your background? Would I have eaten your food anywhere else? Here in Las Vegas? I, I'm from Hong Kong. I born in Hong Kong. When I was 16, I started learning as a Shanghainese cuisine. And I finished as a Cantonese cuisine. And then I, when I worked at a chef at the Japan, so I learned Japanese cuisine over there. So I've been traveling. I go to Germany, uh, French, uh, Japan, Spain, and finally I come to the American because my family have the very tiny uh, chop suey, you know, chop suey in that bad farm at 30 years ago. It's very famous in the East Coast. So I started working there as a cook. When I, I think, look at the future, not only chop suey, you need to open your mind. So I, and then I have opportunity to come here and then open the town, Japanese restaurant. I'm a sushi chef, executive sushi chef over there. I started my Japanese cuisine over there. So you were an executive sushi chef at Tao? Yes. Okay. I, I, I opened it the uh, Tao. Wow. I'm the original one. So that's why. So that was back when Sam Hazen was still involved and all that kind of stuff, right? Yes. <laughs> so that's why in my background, basically, it's Asian food. Not only uh, Chinese food, Japanese food, but I'm Asian. So that's why I try to bring the concept here that Asian here. So people come in here, can have all the different Asian country football of course it's a signature item not all are so that's why you see our menu is not big but there's a signature item what do you have coming father's day 
Uh, we have finally coming in and ready. And a lot of people love it. It's oxtail soup. Yeah, we offer that on the Friday weekend and the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we go all the way to after that every Sunday. Uh, the daily weekly special on the Sunday. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because this may not air until after Father's Day. So you will be carrying the oxtail soup over as a Sunday's only dish. Yes, yes. Because if you run this one on the menu, so the people are not excited. But you come in once a while, and then you can have the what you want. So we can track the people coming in on that day, just like we have the lobster day, the buffet on the Wednesday. So people coming in on the Wednesday. So. That means we have our special, it's a Sunday, how we make that Sunday. So just like oxtail night. So people come in and find the oxtail on the Sunday. Sunday night is oxtail night at Send Noodles. And um, you know, I just want to tell people, this is a relatively um, intimate restaurant. I'd say there's seats for, I don't know, you guys know how many seats there are in here? About 35? 25 to 30. Got it. Okay, so 25, 35, 40, about half of those, or maybe a little less than half of them, are kind of a wraparound counter. You can watch the chefs making your noodles, a lot of fun. You can hear a lot of ambiance in here. It's loud. You could get boisterous and yeah. not feel bad um, in here, unlike certain other restaurants where you may not want to be in your bachelor party mood. Yeah. This place, you could definitely party, party hard, right? Yeah, this is where you are basically in the kitchen. You're seeing the action happen. You know, you're going to watch the whole meal get made in front of you. There's nothing better. Other than the oxtail soup that's coming out on Sundays, what's the signature dish here? What's the one dish I have to try? You should try the pad thai. Here, the number cell is stir fry is a pad thai. You should try that. How man on the soup? So that's why we have the different ninja. Pad thai is Thai or the stir fry. If the, the noodle is ramen, it's Japanese style. So that's why people come in. The reason is they have the different flavor they like. So that's a major thing. If you want soup, it's house ramen. If you want stir fry. It's the Pad Thai or Singapore noodle. Great. Thanks so much, Chef. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Okay, so that I think is our tour of some of the restaurants, some of the additional restaurants in the Palms that I hadn't had a chance to eat at since the reopening. So I'll just slam them all in one day. And we got a bao bun coming up for me, right? Absolutely. You're going to try something a little different from Sen Noodle. Okay, so I'm going to continue stuffing my face. The news is next. This is Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it is time for the news. Fresh off receiving the James Beard Foundation's Lifetime Achievement Award, Martin Yan took part in PBS's The Great Vegas Recipe, which paired him with two of the most talented students from CCSD's Career and Technical Education's Culinary Arts Program to cook student recipes during an online cooking demo. I spoke to Yan prior to the live stream. For my whole life, I've been trying to nurture and inspire young people. That's why my slogan is always, Yang can cook, so can you, okay? So I travel all over the world to work with culinary school, culinary students, and try to tell them, you are really blessed to be trained formally. Because most, in the old days, most of the chef, they work in the kitchen, and they apprentice under one chef. Now you can learn from the top chef, pastry and this and that, Brahmaji, and all of these. So you can actually train yourself much faster, much more well-rounded and become a better chef. So I've been having an opportunity to really work with them and, and, and work, work with them in the same as to continue to inspire them, not only to tell them um, to build, build that basic skill, besides knife skill, understand the ingredient, and, and also to expand the repertoire the culinary repertoire to include other cuisine, other cultures, ingredient into it. You go to any a top chef, um, a top sh uh, a restaurant in the top, the run by top chef. They are not only just doing one thing; they are also doing international cuisine, because we're so lucky 
to live in this great country is a bounty of ingredient, fresh ingredient and seasoning. Why not taking advantage of it? Because we are all artists. We can create things. We're magicians. We create something simple into a magical final product. What was it like actually working with the students? I love it. You know, uh, this is not my first time here, but actually this is the second time, my second opportunity to work with the, the chef, young chef student in uh, Las Vegas. And they, they're very, very gung-ho. They're very, very um, 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 uh, the, the innovative, and they're really passionate. I can tell when they look at ingredients, they're very excited. And then when I talk about it, basically, that also instill to them how to do television too. Because as a chef nowadays, you have a lot of opportunity to do social media as well as media and media interview. And you have to be, believe in yourself. So I basically, I tell them, believe in yourself. Confidence, very, very important. The key of success in, in any business. And I also spoke to Emmanuel Lopez, who's going into his senior year at Mojave High School. He's one of the students that Yan joined to cook a recipe of Lopez's. Here's a bit of what Emmanuel had to say to me. My culinary arts program had an invitation for us. They were like, if you would like to come on TV or you would like to try to come on TV, please let us know. And I was super interested in it because, you know, I want to become someone popular when I grow up, to say the least. So what was the process like of working with Chef Yan so far? It was great. We went into the kitchen together and we started making our recipe, right? When we were finished with the recipe, I actually saw him take out a cookbook at the end of it just to start reading it. And it was really impressive because it was like, you get to see the pros at work and this is something that I see, it was like, wow, this guy works hard and he knows what he's doing and he wants to know what he's doing. And I find that really impressive. So what's the dish that you're preparing with him? Well, today I'm gonna to be making un ensalada de nopal or a cactus salad. And uh, well, the first time I made the dish, I called it the ensalada de nopal. Estilo Lopez, the Lopez style, but I don't think I could call it that this time. I'm going to be honest. Okay, so what are you going to call it? Martin Yan style <laughs> cactus salad. And Wakuda Las Vegas opens this weekend in the Palazzo. It's being billed as the first high-end, purely Japanese restaurant within the Venetian Palazzo Resort Complex. And it is the brainchild of Michelin-starred chef Tetsuya Wakuda and restaurateur John Kunkel's 50 Eggs Hospitality Group. And you know 50 Eggs. They're the ones that run um, Chica, and they also Yard run uh, Yardbird. Um, so, you know, they, they have a track record, a proven track record here in Las Vegas. Um, well, there will be several ways to dine at Wakuda. The big splurge, oh, yeah. you've got money burning a hole in your pocket, is going to be the $500 ahead omakase menu. I'll be at the opening party on Friday. I hope to have more to chat about it. But you can get a reservation as early as this Saturday. So um, go online and make those reservations now. In the meantime, I am here with um, Mr. John Kunkel of 50 Eggs and Chef Wakuda, which is amazing. I'm glad to have both of you. First of all, congratulations. The room looks beautiful. Thank you so much. We're so proud of the design and the whole restaurant, so we're uh, happy to be here. Chef, how do you feel about being in Las Vegas? Well, I've been there uh, quite a few times, as always I enjoy here. I guess the big question for everybody, they know your name, Chef. They know that you're a phenomenal chef, but they're not quite sure what it is you're bringing to Las Vegas. A bit has been made about the fact that you're going to have an amazing omakase menu at the high end of of it. But could you explain what the overall feel of the restaurant and the different types of experiences people may be able to get here? What we're trying to do is um, casual, in a sense, casual, but like, you know, a classic, based on a classic Japanese, more sort of approachable in a, at the restaurant itself. And plus same time we have at um, Omakase a private room, which is menu up to us, like <laughs> leave it to us. And then I will certain thing you like, you don't, whatever. Then uh, of course we work around to it, but right. that's Omakase is. Right. So if people do want to come in and they just want a quick snack or a little nigiri or something like that, will they be able to have that experience? That's exactly correct. Yes. So also just quick bite and then uh, of course you can have a full meal and just exactly what one dish, two dish and then or even just dessert and you can go. John, you have several successful restaurants right here within the Venetian Palazzo. How do you feel that this is going to round out your offerings? Well, this is something very special for us. This is um, uh, something we've worked on for quite a few years. To to see it come to life is incredibly rewarding. I think what's always exciting, um, whether it be Yardbird or Chica, is is bringing something a little bit new and different to Las Vegas. 
uh, while Las Vegas has amazing restaurants, uh, this classic Japanese cuisine presented in this manner, particularly with the quality of ingredients, really is something that is not being represented. So while there's amazing steakhouses and, and Italian and all these other options, this represents something that is maybe underrepresented in the market, which is always an exciting piece for us as, as a restaurant company to be able to introduce something, show diners a, another choice. You know, this property has so many amazing dining options, as you know. Milos and Cut and Thomas Keller and to add Chef Wakuda's vision to that and and and, and really have a, a luxury but approachable choice for our guests is, is really where we want to see our concepts exist. You know, we, we have this very special experience, as we mentioned with Omakase, but we really want to have such a larger, wider audience to be able to come in and dine at any point during the day. Chef, a lot of Japanese restaurants have found that when they're on the strip, they almost have to stick to the predictable, tourist-friendly dishes. And a lot of times, if I want to get kind of rare or unusual cuts of fish or things like that, I may have to go into Chinatown here in Las Vegas. Are you going to be sticking to a tourist-friendly selection, or are you going to go a little bit off in the deep end of exotic? Okay, you want to something something exotic? Yeah, we have to actually, uh, not unusual, but actually very hard to get some of the certain fish and the very high quality meat and same time we simply just grilled American local beef as well and sushi also we are more classic you know it's uh, yeah easy to fusion that mix up all this we don't we try to be more original Japanese and top of it we're gonna get best of the best freshest ingredients we got from Japan or uh, some of the Australian New Zealand. So that's something a bit exotic as well for here. Taste has to be good, right? (laughs) Authentic Japanese taste. That's what we're trying to do. And at the same time, as a, you know, it's a basically for everybody. Sort of like, because being also, you think about a hotel lobby, it means Actually, it's a much wider audience and also part of the, you know, excitement. Okay, we're coming here, many restaurants here. So just hoping, okay, I had the dinner, just coming here for the dessert. And also, it's actually French technique we use, but actually very Japanese taste of the dessert we have. And uh, low calorie. (laughs) (laughs) Now on the other end of the restaurant spectrum. Inflation is hitting all of us, especially a lot of people in the low-margin restaurant business. But one of the lowest of low margins is pizza. Fox 5 here in Las Vegas had an interesting piece recently about how some pizza places are not surviving the rising costs of flour, cheese, meats, even pizza boxes. One recent victim, it says, is Fly Pie Pizza in Henderson. Did you ever see this place? Because I only saw the advertisements and the stuff online. Now, I know Heidi wrote a lot about it when she and I were both at the RJ together, and I did read a lot of that at the time, but it doesn't stick with me. Yeah, it was appeared to be a, a pretty high-cost investment in a drive-through pizza joint. Almost looked like a car wash. You order your pizza outside, and you drive through this tunnel that has all kinds of visual entertainment for the kids in the back seat while you wait for your pizza to be done, and they hand it to you, and you, you drive home. You you fly out, so to speak, and have it at home. Uh, only open about a year, I guess, and now it is gone. Uh, I mean, first of all, I don't want to belittle the high costs of inflation and how much of a, a yeah. struggle it is for restaurants. I'm just not getting that if you're making pizza, which is a low, most people view as a low-cost item, and maybe you shouldn't. By the way, people, get used to paying more for shit. Things cost more right now. Okay, deal with it. But that being said, most people view pizza as a low-cost item. If you're building this crazy entertainment complex to go with them, how is it that the price of pepperoni is what's putting you out yeah. of business? I mean, like, what about all that entertainment? Yeah, you know? well, I appara- mean- at least from this, it looked like there was really no monetary return from the entertainment directly, as opposed to, say, Chuck E. Cheese, where you buy your pizza, but you also shove in a lot get of money tokens. to get your tokens and your tickets to play skee-ball and, and video games and stuff, and that's the added income. I mean, that's the other thing. You're getting entertained and you're getting a pizza. Pay a little more for your pepperoni. I mean, what the fuck, you cheap bastards? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, seriously, I've had this conversation with so many chefs recently. We need to get it through people's heads that when costs go up, the cost of dining out is going to go up. That is just part of life. Inflation sucks. Blame whoever you want to blame for it. I'm not in the mood to argue economics with anybody. But don't take it out on the pizza place. And so many other places, prices are going up and nobody gives a shit, right? Like, we 
have spoken about the fact that here in Las Vegas, luxury restaurants or, or luxury yeah. experiences like cabanas are charging higher minimums than they ever charge. There's people with money burning a hole in their pocket. Now, I understand that the people who can afford cabanas are not the same people that are worried about feeding a family with a pizza. So I understand that the struggle is different. The problems are different. So please don't think that I'm belittling that. But what I am saying is don't take it out on the guy who's raising the price of your pizza a couple extra bucks. He still needs to put gas in his car. He yeah. still needs to buy things, hopefully, from overseas that cost a lot of money and shipping costs have gone up. That's not a pizza. Just get used to paying a little more. Maybe you eat out. Instead of eating out five nights a week, you eat out four. Or if, instead of eating out three times a month, you eat out twice a month. I know it sucks, but prices are going to go yeah. up. Pay for quality. Do not look for them to cut corners so that they can make it easier for you to still have that bargain food. Yes, we all want a bargain, but prices are going up and it just seems so unfair that people are spending on all kinds of other things. They're still going on vacation. They're still driving their cars, but they're pissed off at the pizza place and they don't want yeah. to spend a little more money there. And remember, you live in Vegas, a service economy. Tip well, you bastard. Oh, yes. Tip tip early, tip often. That's yeah. what I say. <laughs> oh, man. And that's about it for this episode of Food and Loathing. I want to thank all of our guests who have been there, particularly John and Janelle Batista for welcoming us again one one more time into Artisanal Foods and wishing them the best going forward. Also to all the guests that um that Martin Yan and John Kunkel and um, who else did I Emmanuel talk? Emmanuel Lopez. Emmanuel Lopez yes. who rocked. Yes. So thanks everybody for being on the show. Um, Tell a friend about food and loathing. Spread the word on social media. Find all the handles at theneonmohawk.com. Reach us direct. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, what the hell is wrong with you? Download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, you will find the best recommendations from the people who know this stuff at Neon Feast. And if you want to know if I am more than just a sexy voice and you want to see my pretty face and my silly <laughs> hair. Bunch up, bunch up, bunch up. Uh, <laughs> Okay, thanks. Sorry, Animal House homage. No, no, I don't feel good. <laughs> um, anyway, you can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. And catch Al all weekend long at the Neon Feast update on The Vibe, 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, 98.9 at the river. With producer Rich Johnson, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.